Welcome to the Be Healthy Podcast. I'm your host, Claudia Rodriguez. I'm a health and nutrition advisor with a certification in positive psychology. I'll be sharing strategies and interviews on health, relationships, entrepreneurship, thriving, and increasing life enjoyment. Hi, welcome to the podcast. This is Claudia. And today I have a special interview for you guys. Today's interview is going to be with Luciana Garcia, who's an emotional mastery coach. She's also a holistic practitioner and a meditation instructor. So I met Luciana this year because a friend of mine had been had been to one of her events and she insisted you have to meet Luciana. She is amazing. You guys would really like each other. And so when I heard about an event where she was going to be there doing a guided meditation, I said, I have to go meet her. And I, she is amazing. She is the real deal. So let me tell you a little bit about her. So she has a degree in holistic health with a focus on mind-body transformation psychology. She is a founder of I Am Luciana, where she offers alternative and holistic services to help people reconnect with their personal power to transform their lives. She also spreads awareness about the power of meditation. And she's also a Buddhist priest. So we're going to talk about all of this in the episode. We're going to talk about the power of meditation and how even a two-minute meditation is powerful. So I had a bunch of questions about that. Also, we talked about some of the things that she does on a daily basis to keep her emotional health and also her business going. We talk about how she got her Buddhist name, which is a fantastic story. You guys have to hear that. And she talked a lot about this technique that she uses that's called emotional integration. So if any of you are struggling with depression or anxiety or just some negative thoughts, I think you guys will really like this episode. We also talk about entrepreneurship, being a woman, um, self-love, dieting, self-image. So I hope you guys enjoy the episode as much as I enjoyed recording it with her. Thank you for having me. I am so happy you are the first interview of the podcast and I chose that deliberately. We had uh, probably like one conversation in person and you are freaking amazing. So I want everybody to know you and can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Tell, tell me how you started your business. I am Luciana. Yes, and first I want to say thank you. I really, really wanted to be part of this, and I really support everything that you do, so I'm excited to be here. Um, And to tell you a little bit about how it started, um, I guess it's one of those things where it didn't come from just one decision. It was many things in life that pushed me to the place of where I am right now. Um, What I do, first I'll tell you a little bit about that with my business, is truly to support people in any way that I can, Um, mentally, emotionally, physically, so they can just simply begin to live better lives. So I always tell people, I I don't do this because my life is so perfect and great. It's truly my own trials and my past that pushed me to learn what I know and now share it with other people. Um, And I guess this all started even when I was very, um, very, very young. Um, And... I always had a hesitation to feel and express my emotions. You know, it was something that I just didn't know how. Like, I didn't think necessarily that they were wrong, 
but I was born in a culture, you know, I was born in Mexico City. Um, my family, really, I had a really good childhood, really good people, but just they never talked to us about emotions. Right. So I grew up just keeping everything in. And I think with time that led me to have a little bit of anxiety, to feel a little bit sometimes unsure of how I wanted to do things in life. And then eventually I had just a moment where I said, I want to learn more. You know, I always had an, an inclination for holistic stuff and spirituality. And when I was, I remember 14 years old, a lot of girls get money to want to buy clothes or go to the movies or I don't know, but I wanted to buy books. You know, that's what I would do. I would buy books about meditation and spirituality and I would read it. And I, I would always ask myself, what is it that I want to do when I grow, grow up? And the answer that always came up was, I want to help people. And I didn't know how. Um, and it's kind of funny because I had all different stages. When I was 18, the way that I thought I should help people was to go to Africa <laughs> to feed the poor. So I would tell like my friends, I'm going to go to Africa. I need to help people and I'm going to feed the poor. Until I realized that when you want to help people, you need to do it where you are. <laughs> right. You need to do it with the people around you. But it just shows me where I was mentally at that time, what I thought that helping people meant. Um, tell us what you think helping people means right now. To me now, helping people only means being a resource and a support. Because now I've mm -hmm. learned how we can be there to support people. We can be there to offer resources to people and tools. But everybody has the ability to help themselves. You know, even when it comes to using the word healing, I really feel that the only true healing comes from within. So now I'm more just available to be there to support people, offer tools, um, and kind of allow the magic to happen on its own based on what every person individually wants to, wants to do. I love that. Yeah. And so did you start off as a life coach, as a Buddhist priest? What, what was the first step you took towards the path that you're in right now? Well, um, It's important to mention this because it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't clear what I wanted to do. I actually was going to school at the beginning um, when I was younger for education, just a degree on educa in education when I realized that wasn't really what I wanted to do. Um, then I got married and I had my daughter. And it was when I was a stay-at-home mom that I discovered um, that there was um, degrees for holistic things. You know, I was very oh. naive because the schools that I knew locally really didn't offer those programs. So that's when I decided to go to school to get a degree on holistic health. So I spent three years, um, a little bit over, yeah, two years, almost three, working on getting my degree and getting trained as a life coach, as a hypnotherapist, just learning a lot of different modalities that support the holistic mind, body, soul, emotions approach. Now, I will say that that is one part of um, the tools that I use, but the main thing that I feel truly Um, guided me to know this is what I wanted to do is when I started learning um, the teachings of um, meditation, of spirituality, and of emotional integration. Um, and that for me was when I um, learned about the Mahashriya Buddhist tradition. So the Mahashriya Buddhist tradition, to tell you a little bit about it, when I say it, people just hear Buddhist and they like kind of <laughs> push the other words out. But the way that I like to explain it is the word Mahashriya is a Sanskrit word that simply means the great field. So 
Imagine yourself standing in the middle of an open, big field. And the feeling of it is that you can go anywhere. Mm. You can do anything. And it's a feeling of freedom. So the Mahashrayan itself, it's not really a religion. So it's not something you belong to or a religion. But it's a um, tradition where we learn about actually different um, spiritual traditions for our personal growth where we believe that they all can support us to grow. So we learn about um, Buddhism, Hinduism, Kabbalah, the teachings of Christianity, and actually the teachings of emotional integration, which I want to talk a little bit about. Tell us about that. Yes, emotional integration is a technique that helps us to learn to consciously feel our emotions. So um, I want to go a little bit back with what I was sharing with you during this time that I was um, going through to school about to get my degree with holistic health and life coaching and all of that. Um, I was also going through a difficult time when it came to um, my marriage. I was going through a separation. I was soon going to go through a divorce. And I want you to put that together with back to that little girl that didn't want to feel emotions. You wow. know, kind of like a, yeah. a combination of I'm finding what I want to do, but I'm still learning to deal with my own stuff. Um, and life is happening. And now change is coming. And I got invited to a meditation class, just a simple meditation. Because you want to come to a meditation class? And I said, yes. You know, that, that young me that would buy the books was like, yes. <laughs> um, I went. I didn't know what to expect. And in that class, we learned about emotional integration. So that is the beginning of where this journey started with me. And what I learned and what I now teach to people is that we all have the ability to be able to process and accept emotions through simply having the courage to feel them and be there with them. So it really, emotional integration teaches you to completely see emotions in a completely different light. Mm. A lot of the times we feel that we have no power over our emotions, that they just happen to us, that other people cause our emotions. And with emotional integration is the idea that emotions are just a part of who we are. I always say we have lungs, we have a heart, we have a liver, you have emotions. It's just another thing on the, on the list that makes us human. It's not that, um, it just, they don't have to define us. They don't give us or take away our worth. They are experiences. Mm. So it trains us to learn to live the experiences that we call emotions. Some of them are pleasant when you're in love, joy, you know, when you're grateful. But then some of them are painful when you're feeling angry, when you're sad, when you feel alone, yeah. when and there's change. It's really interesting that you mentioned that because I don't know if you've heard the, this about Brene Brown, but she says like if you try to block out the bad emotions, you're also blocking the good emotions. Like if you, mm -hmm. you, you, like it's not you can only block sadness. If you block <laughs> sadness, you can all, you also block joy, and so. That's so important because the more we feel them, the more good emotions we're going to be able to experience. Yes. Okay. And so tell us, so you um, got trained mm -hmm. in that. And what type of people come to you? What type of people do you help with emotional integration? Um, well, and no, well, number one, I do want to say what you mentioned right now is so true because what you do is that you tr you block the system. Like when you're going back to that with emotions, it's instead of blocking one emotion or another, you block the whole system and then you're unable to, to experience emotions. So number one, um, I help or I'm there to teach people or to use emotional integration truly for really anybody that ha has the willingness to want 
to do it. So emotional integration is not a technique that somebody else can do for you. It's not a technique that you can just easily think about it or read about and it's done. It's something that requires you to want to do it. So, and, and why I say anybody is because I work, I have worked with children as young as 11 year olds or eight year old teaching them the technique. I've worked with people, elderly people, but usually people that reach out to me when it comes to one-on-one services are people that are dealing with anxiety, with depression, with phobias, because just like myself and what pushed me to learn about these techniques is usually when things have gotten a little bit intense when it comes to the avoidance of emotions is when people are hearing the, uh, okay, I need to do something about it. Because now the anxiety is off the roof or the, they have, um, the depression is very, very intense. And that is what pushes people to look for, for help. And especially when it comes to holistic approach, I have learned that a lot of the times it's the last option for a lot of people. Ironically, it's as if, and it makes sense, it's just the way we have been trained if you're dealing with anxiety, with depression, you know, which I actually support this. Go see your psychologist, go see a counselor. And sometimes people say, well, that helped me um, some, but I feel there's more. Mm. And then that's when they really want to learn the technique because the technique is you becoming almost like your own um, therapist. You're the one that is guiding the process and that is pushing yourself to find peace with accepting the emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's what I discovered when I went to, to these classes. And just to tell you a little bit about this, just that class eight years later, it led me to um, really become um, committed to practice all the different teachings, not only emotional integration, but meditation, learning about um, powerful meditation techniques to help us find peace, to help us be just better human beings, be what I call more virtuous. Um, and then eventually I became an ordained acharya from the Mahashriya Buddhist tradition. Um, so now it's part of everything that I do. Is um, The foundation of it is comes from those teachings because I find them to be very, you know, very powerful. Um, and people usually see the results. And I, that's what I say. Never believe anything that you, everything you hear or never believe anything that I say, but never doubt anything that I say. And that's with anything, not only me, anything you read, anything that never believe it and never doubt it. Find that, that um, place within that you can go and say, does this make sense to me? And more than just make sense, if I experience it, as long as, of course, it's something safe, you know, we have to be wise and prudent, but as if I experience it, if I do this meditation, if I try to feel my emotions, does it work for me? And based on that, you will make the best decision when it comes to any practice. You know what, that is brilliant, because I've been trying to integrate that same thing to health, because people come to me and, and, tell, and say things to me like, just tell me what to eat. And is this good? Is that good? Should I do this diet or should I do that diet? Is this product good for me? Is this food good for me? And I say, you know, well, I don't know. You know, like something can be good, but it doesn't mean it's going to be good for you. Mm-hmm. And just because something works for me doesn't mean it's going to work for you. And so we have to learn how to be more in tune with ourselves. And we've outsourced that to a counselor, to a doctor, to a teacher, to for somebody else to tell us what to do when we have that knowledge inside of ourselves. And it's so scary because, I don't know, I think, I guess we think we might be wrong, 
-hmm. But getting in tune with that, I think, is the most powerful thing we can do as a person. Yes, and I love that you said that because it's also to not be afraid to of the journey, meaning as you were discovering ourselves, either when it comes to our emotions or to our health or whatever, to not be afraid to make quote-unquote mistakes because they're just part of the, of the journey. You uh, practice a technique and you find it doesn't work for you, you discovered something. You found it doesn't work. So it wasn't a waste of time and it wasn't a fail. It re that's one of the things that I feel people have. They're afraid of going through the journey without it, the, um, the right answer being the first thing they discover. Right. But it's what, it's truly how we grow. You know, when I see things a little bit more in a spiritual perspective, I always like to say we're here um, in a journey of evolution. But evolution requires a variety of experiences because that's the contrast of that is what we learn from. So it's a little bit of finding peace with, you know, with the journey. And the more that we're in tune with ourselves, the easier that it becomes to actually do that, <laughs> you know, to find peace with it. Because you know that you feel a sense of I am here for me, regardless of what happens. And yeah. even if we're trying different things when it comes to our health, um, you try it, it doesn't work for you. It just doesn't mean it's not a fail now, an opportunity to try something else. But you feel that good feeling of, okay, I'm doing this for me. Like, I'm not just necessarily depending on everybody else to to discover it for me. I don't know if that, yeah. that makes sense. I was just reading today a quote that said, and I don't know who said it, um, but it says something like, failure is an event. Like, people can't be failures. And so mm -hmm. I think we're so used to, like, the mentality of, did you succeed or did you fail? And that's not, that's not the whole picture. Like, the journey is is what's really interesting and what's, you know, the discovery of, of who we are is what's most important. It's not about success or failure. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk a little bit just briefly about meditation because I recommend it to a lot of people, especially that have, that are, you know, ha have a lot of stress or anxiety. And what I hear a lot, and I want to see what you think about it, is, oh, no, no, it's because I can't, meditate like I've tried but then um, I just can't quiet my mind and and I know it's not about quieting the mind but can you tell us you know what do you say when people say that to you well I actually hear that a lot myself okay, good. Um, so it's a normal if, if anybody listening to this has experienced that it's normal so you're not like the exception actually it's a common thing that happens um, the thing is, is that I explained to people the reason why it feels as if, oh, I can't do it because I can't stop thinking. I can't do it because I get distracted is because we have an expectation of what meditation should be. Uh. So when we hear about let's meditate because you're going to relax and it's going to be peaceful, you automatically assume what it's going to be like. So the moment that you sit down and instead of peaceful, you start thinking about everything that happened at work and you start feeling worried because something's coming up you automatically assume you're doing it wrong. But the way that I like to explain it is that meditation, especially what I consider the foundation of meditation, which is mindfulness, is to be present with what is at that moment. So if you sit down to meditate, and at that day, your knee hurts, because that day your knee hurts. I don't know what happened, but that's what's happening. You sit down for your meditation, you breathe, and you become aware that there's a little ache on your knee, in your knee, and you just continue to breathe and you accept it. You become aware that that's what's happening in your body. 
Or if you're tired, you accept that that's what's happening in your body. If emotionally you're feeling sad that day in your med during meditation, you breathe and you accept that at that moment, I'm sad. So you, in the same with the mind. If you sit down to meditate and the mind continues to move, I always like to say that means your mind works correctly. <laughs> Why? Because the mind is like a machine that helps us plan, that helps us resolve things in life. So the moment, every day, you use your mind to one thing after the other. What's the next thing I need to do? So the moment you decide to meditate, we assume that magically this machine that has been running is just going to stop. But what it does is that continues with the habit or the pattern that it has. So the goal of meditation, especially when you begin, is to sit down, connect with your breath, and accept whatever is happening in your mind. If it goes into a story that has nothing to do with you being present, the moment you catch yourself in the story, you just take a deep breath and you come back. So this is the thing is that the first, when you start meditating, it requires a little bit of practice to have that acceptance, to accept whatever it is that you're living at every level of yourself um, without judgment. And then just finding peace that even through whatever thoughts you had, even through whatever emotion, even through however your, your body felt, you stayed connected to your breath. That at that moment, you started your practice of mindfulness. So it's not that people can't do it. It's just that it's hard. And at the beginning, actually quieting it down to face the movement that we have inside, for many people, is not comfortable. But I will tell you that that peace that everybody talks about that comes from meditation will come even sooner than you believe. The peace is a side effect. The, mm -hmm. At some point you surrender to accept, and this is what I'm going through at this moment, that the, all of that fight kind of stops and then like peace just begins to happen. So the more you do it, just like anything else in life, the easier that it gets, the more pleasant that it gets because there's less noise because there has been more acceptance. Um, so, so the, the point here is that non-acceptance. The non-acceptance is, is what gets in the way of us being able to um, meditate or... I personally would say yes. Um, it's simply, yeah, the, um, the resistance to what is. So mm -hmm. the resistance to the fact that we have thoughts, the resistance to is usually also an emotional thing because emotions are what fuel thoughts. Right. So emotions are kind of like the um, like the fuel that makes the all the thoughts start running wild. So the moment we quiet our mind and we just start going within, a lot of people actually feel anxiety. They're yeah. like, oh my God, I could be doing something else. Oh my God, this could be happening. But it's because at that moment is I cannot accept just being here with with whatever it is and and a lot of the times it's nothing bad you know it's nothing too dramatic or bad it's just um we also want to see it as us we are retraining our body <laughs> that sometimes i call our animal you know but we are retraining it because it's not used to it so it gets a little like um sometimes frustrated but what i tell people is this you want to start meditating and you really need to have the desire to want to do it um begin even if you can just do it for two minutes. Begin with two minutes. Don't ever shoot with, okay, I'm going to start meditating 30 minutes a day. And then that sounds like too much and the mind right away says no. Yeah. So if even 10 minutes sounds like too much, I tell people, put a timer for five minutes. If five minutes feels like too much, put a timer for two minutes. Find peace with doing it in small amounts until you naturally just, you enjoy it so you extend the time on its own. 
I love that. So that's what I recommend to people. And then you can always meditation is meant to be enjoyable, meaning, well, it's meant to be something that you're choosing to do. That's what I mean. Like I said, at the beginning, it may feel a little bit frustrating or not as relaxing as you would want to, but it's still something you're choosing to do for you. It should never be something you're forcing yourself to do. Does that make sense? That makes total sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Perfect. Yes. And so tell me, uh, tell me about what you're passionate about right now. Like what's going on in, in your life, creatively, personally, in your business. Just share with us something that you're really happy about. Um, well, yes, actually, well, I've been running my business for the last five years and my business has been truly rooted in one-on-one, seeing clients one-on-one. Um, but what I started to discover a couple of, actually a couple of years back is that sometimes I would see, for example, let's just say five clients in a day, seven clients in a day. And a lot of the things I would share with them individually, I would share some of the same things as they were, I would use the same tools, some of the same examples, some of the same exercises. And I was like, wow, I was able to reach five people today. I wish that I could reach more because what if people could be exposed to the information And that's when I started to learn about the world of creating online courses, creating tools online where people can go and learn this information as if they were there with me one-on-one. And um, I just felt right away like this is something I want to do. And I I am a very creative person, so it just got me very excited because there's so many layers of creation that come with that. So it was at the beginning of this last summer of 2018 that I decided to, uh, well, it was, I started at the beginning of 2018 creating the concept of, of online courses, but I want to tell you now I've run two different, um, what I'm calling, calling it pilot groups of some of my courses that I will be launching in, um, 2019. Okay. So my online, online school is called happy, simple you, and I truly have not felt so passionate about something for a long time. Um, I've been surprised at how much I'm enjoying this whole process and just the idea of knowing that I have the ability to reach so much, so much, uh, many people, you know, so much more people, um, that gets me super excited. So that's what I've been doing, creating courses that behind the scenes, it's a lot of work that I did not expect, um. I, you know, I don't know in my mind because I was so excited. I wasn't, sh- I wasn't thinking of the whole process, but that's when you know, when you really connect with something that number one, you enjoy. And I have found when you know it benefits others, something happens within where sometimes you end up having the energy, the strength that you didn't even know you had to continue to push forward. And what I also learned is that when something is meant to happen, things just fall into place. Um, without you truly not even needing to to do much because you're out there in service to you know to others so so yeah so that's what I've been doing and what are your courses about so right now um, I have a course actually called I am mindfulness where we tap a little bit on the concept of mindfulness when it comes to the mind to the emotions to observing our body all to help us soothe anxiety So what I love about that course is that I was able to offer different forms of um, a lot of things that people can have on their own to support them throughout their journey of dealing with anxiety, meaning like recordings, um, things that you can have on your phone, either workbooks. So it's like a a full approach of you feeling support in the same way that it would feel if you were here working with me one-on-one. So that is one of them. And then the second one is a course where I help... um, anyone that has 
either already owns a what I call a conscious-based business or wants to begin a conscious-based business. What does this mean? All of our yoga teachers, meditation teachers, massage therapists, health coaches, life coaches, anybody that has a desire to use their gifts to bring more life into the world while they, they create a profitable business and they're just in the steps of um, getting ex- started or wanting to expand to create a foundation, I created a course for them because I believe that that is a whole other way of affecting the world in a big scale, supporting people to do it themselves. Yeah. So that is a course where we support them into getting clarity on what the business is about, how to begin to create um, everything from a website to social media stuff. It's pretty cool and it's really fun. Um, but lastly is my emotional mastery course. That is kind of like my baby and that's the yeah. one that I'm working on right now. And I really, really, um, I'm creating this to support anybody that's ready to learn how to master what I call master their emotions um, and even maybe learn to teach it and share it with others. So, so yeah, so that's the main three courses that I'm focusing on at the moment. And are they, uh, do you do like a launch and then the course is available for a period of time or are they available are they like pre-recorded? How do you? Well, um, the, no, and that's a really good question. Actually, the way that it works is that I do like to um, launch the courses at a specific time. A specific time, meaning with a group of people together. Correct. So at the moment, it, this may change in the future, but at the moment, um, the courses are available. Will be available at the beginning of January 2019. Um, now, if you're interested and you're like, okay, that sounds like something I would like to learn, I would invite you to go to my website which is www.iamluciana.com. And you can get started. When you go to free, you're going to see that I've created certain things. I created a workbook for the people that are considering starting a, a business, but they're not sure. I created a little workbook to get you help, uh, get clarity, and from there prepare you and um, let you know when that course is going to be launched. And then I also created a free recording that I want to offer to you And by um, doing this, I will be reaching out to you, like by signing up and getting this free, um, you know, this kind of recording of that free workbook, I will have your email and I will reach out to you and let you know when the courses will be launched. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So go to our website, people. Perfect. And um, so I'm always really curious because I don't meet a lot of online entrepreneurs, like there's, of course, there's a lot of entrepreneurs here in El Paso, but you know, they usually have a, a brick and mortar business. So I want to ask you, like, tell me like what your day to day looks like, uh, what type of things you do on a daily basis? Because I know like for me, my, like, I don't have a set schedule. So my, I, my activities are like really random. Although there are some that take place every single day. So tell us about like how your day to day looks like. What happens? Yes. Well, one of the things that's um, very important in this case to me, and I'm assuming to any online entrepreneur, is our social media presence. Now, what does that mean? Making sure that you're posting something and you're interacting with the audience online because those are the people that potentially in the future may want to work with you or those are the people that are interested in what you want to say. Even if eventually they um, meet with you in person for a session or anything like that. So what that means is that being constantly off putting um, um, material out there online 
requires planning. And anybody that's an online entrepreneur knows this. So there's certain things that I tell myself that I do every day, no matter what. And it's either something that I have already pre-scheduled or planned when it comes to my Instagram or my Facebook, or I make it a point every morning. And I try to do this now that you're talking like, when do you do it? I try to do it every morning. Um, Usually I have a daughter, I take her to school and I make sure that after that, I give myself 30 minutes to post something on my social media. Why do I do it then? Number one, if it's already scheduled because I use different apps to schedule um, posts for Instagram or things like that, then it'll just happen on its own. But if it's not scheduled, the reason why I do it then is because after that time, my day will take off. And sometimes things will happen that I don't know what it, it will be and I may not get to do it. So then if I don't prioritize it for it to be in the morning, there is a chance it will not get done. And then um, another thing that I would say is also, if that doesn't work for you, what is a time during your day that you have space? Like for some people, it's like, no, the morning would be the most horrible horrible time because I'm so busy trying to get to work or do whatever it is else I'm gonna do. For me, around 6 p.m. would be the time then it's kind of making a commitment with yourself. During my free time, I will be doing my interaction um, online. Now, when it comes to me, um, one of the things for, and this probably anybody that runs what I call a conscious-based business, meaning you're working in a holistic approach and also working with energy, with people's emotions, and you become affected, it's very important to have a daily self-care routine of some sort. Um, In this case, for me, it has to be daily. I work with a lot of people that are experiencing very intense emotion. And the moment that I sit here with them to do the emotional integration or or whatever it may be, there is an exchange. Sometimes they go like, wow, I feel so much better. Thank you. And they leave. And I'm (laughs) like, wow, (laughs) yeah, I feel all the emotions. So for me, meditation is crucial. Now, the meditation that I enjoy doing besides mindfulness is that I really like to charge what we call mantras. Mm. So they're usually mantras from Buddhist tradition, from Hindu tradition. And mantras, especially when they're in in Sanskrit, they're just like a little affirmation, you could say, that help you connect with a state of being. So, um, for example, I I know a lot of mantras for compassion, for peace, for um, the elements. The mantras of the elements are for healing and purification and regeneration. So sometimes what I, regardless of what happens, either it is usually for me later after my sessions, I try to sit down and I just chant mantras and I do meditation and I take some time to feel what it is I'm doing. If I don't do it after my sessions, which happens actually a lot because of life, I do it before bed. Okay. So it's many, many, many times that I'm there in bed just with, um, you know, what I call my mala, which is my, um, my prayer, prayer necklace. And I'm just there chanting my mantras before going to bed as a way of recharging myself to be able to continue the next day. You know, so that is one of the things that is very important to me. And I can notice the difference when I don't do it and when I actually do it. And it doesn't have to do that you do mantra, but if especially if and even if you're not working in a conscious based business, but you're doing anything where you feel depleted when it comes to your energy. You owe it to yourself, and especially if you're in the business of helping others, to do something for you. For some people, it may be yoga. For some people, it may be go taking a run or um, taking a bath or whatever it is. But it's I think it's very important. Yeah, and I actually um, this year earlier this year I taught a course, a self care course, and 
I'm surprised how many of us don't usually have a self-care practice. Mm -hmm. And it usually takes anxiety, depression, extreme stress, which is what happened to me, to actually be like, okay, maybe I should do something for myself, like, you know, every day, not once in a while, not not when I go have my nails done. Like, that's not self-care. Self-care is going a little deeper, deeper than that. I love that you do that. And I'm just curious about the the mala beads. Is it like one mantra per bead? Yes. So malas, um, normally they come from, like I said, the Buddhist and Hindu tradition, and they have either from 108 beads or 109. And it all has to do with numerology. For example, 108, eight plus one is nine, which is like a number of like perfection or something coming into completion, kind of that feeling of a, a pregnant woman, you know, nine months of, mm. of pregnancy kind of thing. So it's almost as if when you do a certain amount, what you're actually doing is I want you to see mantras simply as energy. They have energy. Energy helps us change our state of being. So sometimes doing a mantra for a certain amount of time, it's usually the average time that is uh, recommended for that energy to truly positively affect affect you that's why there's what people call like little formulas to do mantras so to answer your question yes so it's this long necklace with each bead you repeat the whole mantra like there's a beautiful simple mantra of peace which is om shanti 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 so it's two words om which a lot of people relate om to like maybe just like when i see the little kids in the classes that i teach and i say do you know anything about meditation you know they put their fingers together and they go (laughs) om Um, But OM, for example, is the idea that if everything that exists in the universe had a vibration, everything, your thoughts, your body, the smallest insect that you can think of, bacteria, the biggest mountain that you can imagine, but if everything had a sound and we could hear it, it would be this beautiful OM, you know, kind of chanting sound of just the energy of creation. So if you think about it, the moment we think of that, what it represents is oneness, It's where everything in creation, even if we try so hard to separate ourselves and label ourselves, is connected. It's one. So when you say Om at the beginning of any any mantra, what you're doing is dissolving separation. And then Shanti is just a word for peace, meaning transformation. So transforming the way we're perceiving life to find peace within. So if the mantra would be Om, Shanti, and then repeating it three times, Shanti, 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 you would repeat that for each beat. Okay. So Om Shanti Shanti Shanti, next beat. Om Shanti Shanti Shanti, next beat. And three Shantis to represent Shanti for the body, peace for the body, peace for the emotions, peace for the mind, or peace for the body, peace for the soul, and peace for the divine. However you want to see it, but it's this idea of expansion, of peace beyond limitation. It's a simple, beautiful mantra. It's one that I use a lot that helps us calm down negative thinking, that helps us calm, calm down what we call drama in our mind um so it's simple so just getting your mala and sometimes i tell people do you they ask me well do i need a mala like i don't like them or i don't know if i connect with that i say no you can just chant the chant the mantra by putting a timer um and just do it like that yeah there's no need for it but i personally enjoy it because it reminds me that i have to do it (laughs) i put it on and i have it on and then i remember oh i need to do my my mantras today yeah, so. it's so that's so true. Like how we have to put reminders, yeah. so that we, make it very easy, so that we don't forget. Mm-hmm. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I I was, I didn't know that about the mala beads, and 
lastly, I really, really want to ask you, because this has been on my mind, and as I said, I just created this podcast so that I could have the opportunity to talk to amazing people, and so um, lately, I've been really interested in, in our body image, regardless of how we look, because I think all women, and I think even men, we all struggle with that perfectionism and that idea that our bodies and our skin and our muscles and our face has to look a certain way. And I know that you post a lot about body image and how you reached um, or how you're in that journey of, of self-love because it's not like you reach it and then you're there. It's like an ongoing <laughs> yeah. thing that you practice. So can you tell us more maybe about your journey and maybe something that you, if you have like a specific recommendation that we can all do to connect with, with that self-love? Yes, and that's a really good question because really, like you said, a lot of people, if not everybody in their own way has this issue so it's so interesting because in society we feel there's certain people that look good there's certain people that don't look that good and probably the ones that don't look don't look that good are struggling no it really does not matter about um how we look it's all about the way what i have discovered it's all about that journey of reconnecting back to love so the way that i like to explain it is this since the moment we were born it's our innate a need and desire to feel love. Now, when you're a baby, maybe love was you crying and somebody holding you or giving you a bottle, but you got this attention. So when I say love, I'm not only talking about the definition of love and get married and you're in a relationship. I'm talking something that probably even our mind cannot comprehend, just the energy of the emotion of feeling um, loved, validated, attention, anything that makes you almost like validates your existence. Mm. So it's a need that we have as human beings because the moment we feel love, we feel that we will, um, that we're not alone and we will survive. Remember as human beings, um, we are kind of like animals. I already mentioned this once. <laughs> our body is, I know it sounds a little out there, but in many ways we are. And one of our biggest things is survival. Now we live in a very comfortable society now where we don't have to go hunt for food or anything like that. And we can sleep at night peacefully without the fear that a bear is going to come and eat us. But our survival now it's in different ways. So I'm just saying this because we first need to understand that the need for love is innate in everybody. That's why even somebody that you would consider, oh, look, they're rich and they're so beautiful and successful. Why are they struggling? Why don't they love themselves? Because just like you, they have a need for love. Now they project it in a different way, on a different problem. Um, just like everybody, all of us feel the same. So the thing is, is that we there is this very subconscious belief that if our body looks a certain way, we will get more love. Because we see that in society, people react more positively to a certain look. So what I have learned in my own journey, dealing with um, weight issues all of my life that came from suppressing emotions simply because I did not know how to deal with my emotions, um, I have learned that it all begins with kind of transforming the way you're seeing the whole idea when it comes to love. So the more that we still believe that love needs to come from outside of us, no matter how hard we work on ourselves and we transform our body and we get that six pack and our business is successful, we will still have that battle that at some point somebody won't approve of you 
and you will and you will feel that absence of that love so for me it was i need to transform my perception mm-hmm. i need to re- remember it's almost like remembering a very old deep truth of the love comes from from within and when i say this i'm not saying it like poetically or metaphorically i'm saying it literally because this is what i explain to my students think about the last time you were in love or you felt the love usually well, number one, where did you feel the love? So it doesn't matter who awakened it. It could have been your partner. It could have been your kid. It could have been your, your a family. But where did you experience the love? Inside of your body. So the yeah. love, you experienced it inside. Right. So if you experience it from within, where, where did it came from? It came from within, which means that it's as if it was there, but it was dormant. Now, somebody came from outside of you and told you, you're the love of my life, or, or your mom said, I'm so proud of you, or your little daughter came and said, oh, mom, I love you so much, or whatever, and then you felt this wave of love. What they did is almost as if they were the person that pushed the button that, that made your love come up, but the love was within you. It's almost as if, I always explain, if you have an orange and you put it through a juicer, and then you get orange juice, where did the juice come from? It came from the orange. The, right. the juice originally was in the orange. The, the juicer was just the tool that squished, squished it out. So all these people that we feel that if this person would love me, if this person would give me attention, all that we want is for them to awaken the love that's already within. So the journey of self-love is to transform that perception so we can learn how can I awaken my own love? Because it's true, you experience it inside and it was already within you the moment you were born. Um, so that has helped me because then it really teaches us it's not that I'm missing love or I don't have it and I need to go find it is that I'm learning and how to reconnect with it again and sometimes the reason why it's so dormant is because there's trauma and there's pain and there's emotions and there's um, things we haven't accepted or whatever it may be so that's why we go on that journey of working on that first so we can find peace with that and then it's easier for this emotion of love to come up Exactly what you described at the beginning of the podcast. If you suppress negative emotions, less possibility that you will feel positive emotions because you're suppressing everything. The same now the other way. If I work through my emotions of pain, now it's as if I'm open. So this love that has always been there has the ability to just come up and I can be more in that place of love. And now it doesn't mean that when you discover your own love, you're not going, you're going to stop like, oh, I love myself, so I'm never going to care for myself again. I'm never going to eat healthy. Who cares? <laughs> no, it's now you do it not because you need to look good and you need people's approval. You do it because it truly feels better to be healthy. <laughs> you know? Right. It just feels better. I, I love that you bring that up because it's very different to make a healthy decision out of fear meaning, oh, I'm going to get fat, or um, is it good for me, versus a, a, a decision made out of love. Like, I'm going to eat this because, you know, I love my body, and this is good for my body. And so we feel, like, if we love ourselves more, we feel more inclined to do things that are good for our body. Mm-hmm. So I love that. And that is that where emotional integration can, exactly. can come? Okay. Exactly. So I really, the tool that I have used that has helped me to every, every day, because it's a journey that requires, how do I feel today? How, what can I do for myself today? But um, 
that's what I have been using. Emotional integration has been the tool that has helped me to accept. Because remember, it's called emotional integration. So what is integration? Bringing something back to kind of like it's whole, you know, to, to be complete. Like you're integrating it back to something. So what is it that we're integrating it back to? To our original state of emotions, which is love. And um, I mean, I explain right now when we're babies, what we want is love. Now, my other explanation for that, a little bit more spiritual, is we come from the energy of love. Mm. And then that energy of love, eventually, that energy incarnates into a body that got a name that is you. But that is your source. That is your home. So when you're feeling pain or sadness, you're feeling so away from home. So what you're doing is sitting into on that emotion of pain or sadness, of fear, until it loses its power and you integrate it back to feeling love, to feeling joy. Um, to feeling the pure emotions that I feel are um, the real emotions for all of us. And like I said, if you do see it on a baby, babies are simple. You know, something very simple happens and they just feel so much love yeah. and so much uh, joy and they feel it. And it's only when they're really hurting or when they're really like uh, need help for something that they get out of that. But if not, they're like the pure example of the emotions that we all have the ability to connect with. So that's why a lot of people say, the more that you work on your emotions and you heal yourself and your trauma in the past, you regain this kind of innocence for life. Um, and I've had the pleasure to meet great spiritual masters throughout the world. And one of the common thing that I noticed with those great masters um, were that they were so, like sometimes, like easily, what I would consider, they're impressed, so like, um, yeah, I guess like that's easily amused? Yeah, easily amused. Like something would happen, they're like, oh, let's see, look, or show me, or tell me, or, or repeat that. And I'm, or for example, even with uh, wisdom or information, like, oh, well, I, I discovered that the mantra of peace makes me feel this. You know, and they have, I learned it from them, but they're like, oh, okay, tell me. And I'm like, why? It's because I realize they're so present that every moment is new, and they're living mm. things like chill, like very mature and responsible, of course, but... There's this like just living the moment and in the innocence of I want to discover that. Say it again. And it's in, in your mind, you're like, but you showed me the mantra, <laughs> you know, it's like, but it's the way they're living life. So the more we work on ourselves, I feel like the more we're in that pure state of love, the more we want to discover life at every moment. So so it's it's really good. And then from there, anything you do for your body will have more of a positive effect. You could be doing the same diet, the same exercise routine, and you were receiving 10% of results. And then you love yourself and you do the exact same diet, and same exercise routine, and your body just changes. Because now you're in alignment with you. Yeah. You know, so. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, it's so, <laughs> that's been so enriching. Thank you so much, Luciana. So tell us, um, repeat again, where can people find you? Tell us your website, your social media. Where, where are you hanging out right now? So um, on, my website is www.iamluciana.com. And that is L-U-C-S-I-A-N-A. And then you can find me with I Am Luciana on Facebook. On Instagram, I am at Luciana underscore I am. But I don't want to confuse you. You can go to my website and all of my social media links are there. And like I said, I recently have been working on creating what I'm calling this freebies for everybody that maybe likes a little bit of what I do. They're interested, but they just want to try it. I wanted to do this for you. So go to that free tab and download whatever you, you think you would enjoy. Awesome. Thank you so much, Luciana. Thank you. It was you. a pleasure. Yes, thank you so much. And uh, just continue to do what you do. I know you will reach so many people. Thank you.
Do you feel tired, heavy, or sluggish? If you want to have more energy in just one week, I want to share with you my free guide, Nutrition for Energy, a seven-day guide for increased vitality. To get it, go to claudiabehealthy.com. See you on the next episode.